Now, yeah. what's the third chord? Is it because I, I, a third? It's yeah. just a third. Because um, in, in Australia, <laughs> they have. Let me remember this. They have um, schooners, midis, schmidies, uh, and sh- what's the hell is a schmidies? Well, yeah, that just it's, sounds it's new, silly, doesn't it? <laughs> I know. And again, that was just a cynical attempt. So <laughs> two schmidies of uh... charge more for more for the same amount, yeah. more, or more for less, rather. It gets confusing when you go to the bar and you start ordering, can I have two two-thirds of? And you go, two two-thirds? No, two two-thirds. So yeah, schooner's a great word. As long as the person <laughs> behind the bar's not doing mathematician, I've got to figure it out. I can still find myself being seduced by the Mediterranean dream every time oh, I drink a pint of Moretti. And that's, isn't that what brand's all about? Yeah. Like At the end of the day, it's selling a lifestyle. Yeah. It's not selling a truth. You don't so, uh, care about Sell the truth. sizzle, not the sausage. <laughs> That's what you do, isn't it? Yeah. It's cruel. And, yeah. you know, everyone does it in every line of work. So yeah, leave the marketers alone. And I suppose, I mean... There's a quote for a T-shirt. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> leave us alone. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Socially Acceptable, the podcast for marketers, PR professionals, and entrepreneurs looking to grow their brands. This is the podcast that actually celebrates the big marketing mistakes, mishaps, and misfortunes. As ever, I'm your host, Chris Norton, and today I'm with my much better looking business partner, Will Ockenden. But we're joined in the studio today by Rachel Orty. Rachel is a culture-loving beer drinker, head of marketing at Brew York, director at Beer Writers, and founder of Women on Tap, which she's going to talk about a lot about today, which is very interesting. She's also a top-charted marketer and a mentor to many women working in industry today. And she has got some fascinating insights on what it's like to work in the brewing industry. But I've known Rachel for more than 10 years. We met years and years ago so i wanted to get her in to discuss what she's been doing how she's been disrupting the alcohol market with some fascinating beer brands with different names so i think you're going to find this episode really really interesting because it's about disrupting a market that's out there it's not just about beer it's about clever marketing with good tips and strategies and also one big mistake that's quite interesting to talk about so if you like beer and you like marketing who doesn't then get listening to this episode here we go Welcome to Socially Unacceptable, from f**k-ups to fame, the marketing podcast that celebrates the professional mishaps, mistakes and misjudgments while delivering valuable marketing and life lessons in the time it takes you to eat your lunch. Okay, thanks for joining us, everybody. Welcome back to the Socially Unacceptable podcast, uh, the show that celebrates marketing mistakes. And today we're lucky enough to have in the studio with us, all the way from, well, did you say York? Um Harrogate. Harrogate. Oh, yes. there you go. Same, same yeah. town as me. Um, <laughs> we've got Rachel Orty from Brew York, who's here to talk all about beer and marketing in the beer sphere. And I've also got, obviously, my sidekick, because he likes me to describe him that, my partner in crime, my Robin to my Batman, oh, William Ockenden. Um, and actually, um, a note to other guests, Rachel's actually brought her own beer with her today, which massive, oh. massive tick for that. Do Thank I win? Thank you very much. I think you win so <laughs> far, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Although drinking 7% at 11 o'clock in the morning might, might be a bit not, risky for not us. Not a good look, is it? No. Um, so why don't you start by telling us about um, who you are and what you do at Brew York? Um, yeah, so I basically I've worked in marketing my whole career, which is now very long, um, 24 years just over uh, and in all sorts of industries. But ultimately, as I've got more experienced and more confident in the industry, I've kind of chiseled away at the places that I love to work. So I've ended up in the beer industry. Um, I've always drunk a lot of beer. Uh, not ashamed to say it. Obviously, 
since the age of 18 plus. Um, Obviously. And it's a passion of mine. I just love it. I love the industry. I love um, going to festivals, meeting people. I've met a lot of great people. So I'm now um, head of marketing at Brew York, um, which was a role that I took on after doing a bit of consultancy for them previously. It's a new role. um, So I'm sort of making it up as I go along, if you like. Great. So tell us about Brew York then. So um, obviously based in York, yep. uh, do you want to fill in some more blanks? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that is one of the key bits of information. Um, so they were founded in 2016. Um, obviously, that was the start of kind of a massive beer evolution. Um, so they were at the forefront of that. Uh, they had their original brewing site at the centre of York on Walmgate, which is still there but it's we've outgrown it a long time ago. Mm. Um, so uh, now it's a tap room and there's a big beer hall, which was actually a crowdfunding project, like a Bavarian-style huge hall upstairs, loads and loads of taps. So if you like your craft beer, there's so much choice there. It's like a beer lover's dream. Um, but we'd still have the original brewery site nestled in sort of a downstairs tap room. So we do brewery tours there. Um, gets a lot of interest and tourism. Obviously, York's a massive tourist city, so we get a lot of new people and locals. We've extended as well. We've got a bar out at um, Pocklington, a little market tap, which is just more like traditional pub style, but full of Brew York beer on the taps. And then we have a bar in Leeds um, on New Brigate, just around the corner from North Bar, uh, which, again, is full of our, our beers on tap really nice space and then we've opened a tap room now we've got our state-of-the-art brewery site out at Osboldwick which is a tiny little village on the outskirts of York Mm. Uh, huge huge brewing kit out there and head office so that's where I work Um, we have all of our most of our beers now brewed there and we have a tap room that opens on a weekend which is very much appreciated by the local community. So the first thing to say is the packaging's incredible. Like it looks, the craft beer, I mean, it is very crafty and it? it looks great. Yeah, it's very noticeable, isn't it? I yeah. Think. How many how many different beers have you got? Because you've brought four in the studio today, but how many have you got? Ridiculous amounts of beer. Really? So we launch new, two new beers like every other week. Wow. And we have like our sort of, we call them signature range, which is the ones we brew all the time. Right, okay. So we've got, I believe, about 10 in the signature range and then new releases are every other week. So it's a heck of a lot of beer. And what's more popular now? Because obviously craft beer tends to be a bit stronger. We're just talking about the fact that one of them's over 7, well, several of them are over 7%. And years ago it used to be, lager and things like that used to, before the craft beer boom, it used to be like everything was 3 to 4% and then the exports were over 5 What Nowadays though, craft beer is so much stronger. What do do you think is, is better in that space? It's changing again because of the duty changes recently and and breweries now are pulling out sort of much lower ABV beers again because it just makes it so much more affordable for the drinker to be able to go in and buy those lower ABV beers. But we still pride ourselves on we're known for our big, strong, dark stouts and we get a bit experimental with them. So I've got one in my fridge that I didn't bring today because I really want to keep it for myself. <laughs> and it's got like chili in it. It's called Ghost Dimension and it's really interesting. Cool like name. really different. And obviously it's a bit of a Marmite beer in that you'll probably either love it or absolutely hate it. But I just love this kind of like real experimental nature. Um, but I think with, you know, with the stronger beers, obviously what they're great for is sharing, you know, mm. whether it's just between two of you or whether it's, you know, get a few friends round and a load of cheese 
and have a little event with some sharing beers. I wouldn't ever recommend anyone sort of down in a can of 12% impy stout on their own. So, you know. Um, I'm quite interested in this term um, craft beer. Mm. So it feels like it's almost been hijacked by the um, the massive breweries. Does is it a meaningless term now? I mean, what does craft beer mean? Clearly, you are a craft brewery. But yes, can Heineken also be a craft brewery? Do you know what? It's such a weird mm. phrase that means different things to different people now. Um, it used to be that kind of like small scale, innovative. You know, you sort of think craft is like beer served on keg and it's more like lager and it's cold and it's fizzy but it's interesting and it's just not that easy to define now that it's such a grey area and cascale which is obviously more traditional sort of hand-pulled beer that can be craft as well and I suppose craft really generally it comes from like an independent brewery it's usually fairly small batch brewed Mm. Um, although you know even some craft now that I would call craft is brewed quite large scale and is like a permanent line beer. Yeah. Um, but I'd still consider it craft just because of who makes it. And it's still small when you think of like your Heineken and, yeah. your, you know, it's still small scale, really. So how do you, so, so marketing in that space against the big boys, how, how do you go about, because you said you launch a couple of beers every month. Um, how, how do you go about like tackling such a, a big competitor? How do you do that? It's really tough, um, especially because, you know, at the end of the day, we've, we're still quite a small business. We have to make small budgets work hard. Uh, it's a very noisy space is craft beer. So there's a lot of breweries doing crazy wacky things and, you know, very active on like social media. That's a huge platform for, for sort of the craft beer industry. You've got to make that work really hard. You've got to be different. And I think sometimes you've got to, you've got to take risks. You've got to kind of not be too shy. Um, I've seen the Northern Monk sort of Aunt Bessie's range again that they did the other <laughs> week. And it's stuff that gets people talking as mm. well as just great products and drinks. So you've got to really make, you've got to really make a song and dance about it. And even if that's, you know, you just do that every so often just to get eyes back on you. It's like a disruptor. Yeah, yeah. basically. Yeah, I think so. Um, I mean, we can all think of one particular beer brand that does that yes, regularly. Yes. That was a craft beer and is now mainstream. Yeah, anything absolutely. But. So come on, yeah. let's, let's, let's get specific. I mean, actually, before, before I ask that question, it's worth, worth talking about the sector. Mm-hmm. If, if you choose any sector yeah. that's, that's more competitive, I think hospitality and brewing yeah. must be two of the toughest sectors at the moment. Cost of living crisis, the yeah. cost of raw materials is flying through the roof. Yeah. Um, and you've obviously got limited budgets and you can't yeah. compete with the likes of Heineken or Molson Coors or someone like that. Yeah. So talk to us about some of that disruption then. You know, what, talk to us about some of those activations you've done that have got cut through. Thanks for listening to the show. We pack it full of information and tips and advice to give you something to take away to your desks. But this little ditty is to remind you that we do real-life events as well. We do webinars, don't we, Will? We do. We do them quarterly-themed. We do about 12 to 15 a year. Correct. They're aimed at senior marketers. They're very value-orientated, aren't they? So they're And they're free! They are free, which is great. They last about an hour, and they're on the, the issues of the day, really, aren't they? We always do a trends one in January, which is really 
really well subscribed. Yep. Um, later this year, for example, we're doing one on AI. We're doing one on link, next generation LinkedIn use. Podcasting. Super practical. Very, very valuable in terms of the content we give. They do sell out though, don't they? So yeah. we, we advertise those on our website. Visit prohibitionpr.co.uk and click on the events tab. They're free. You can sign up, come along. We'd love to have you on board because, you know, take your phone out of your pocket and and join us on a webinar as well. Get to meet us. That'd be great. As I say, they do sell out, so sign up now. So I think one of the main things that I keep banging on about is your your brand is so important. And, and when I talk about brand, I don't obviously mean a pretty logo. I mean, like, every interaction you have with the outside world makes a statement about who you are, what you stand for, what you believe in. And those things are really important. One of the things that really has sort of fallen to our advantage in this industry since COVID is that people are looking for local producers. They're looking for things that are made on their doorstep and they want to support local businesses and they're really passionate about their own towns and cities. So they want to spend their pounds, which are, you know, getting fewer and fewer pounds, um, with people that they care about and they want to see succeed on their doorstep. So that is an advantage for us because we're not a faceless brewery that just makes great beer. We are a community of people that you can literally come into the space and talk to us, you know, um, and we're trying to do good things. So we've done projects um, this last year. Uh, I don't know if you know of the Brave Noise movement, which is all around... Um, tackling discrimination in beer and there's it's a global collaboration brew project where a lot of breweries it started in the US a lot of US breweries um, brewed a beer and then made a donation to a cause that champions diversity in the industry um, and it's it's come over to the UK now and Brew York were one of the first UK breweries to actually jump on this and brew a beer I think it was back in February the Brave Noise beer and we've made a donation to a company that operate in Leeds called The Egalitarian and they're doing lots of training with um, hospitality venues to certify them as safe spaces and they're helping them train their staff on kind of like what to look out for in terms of like um, discriminatory behaviour, um, you know, just stuff that is not okay. Right. Um, so it's starting to be more than just about making good beer. It's, it's about making a statement, taking a stand mm. and telling people outside that, you know, you're a good organisation trying to do good in the world and change society, not just make good beer. So how many people work at Brew York, just to give you some sort of... I believe we have about 70 now. Okay. Yeah. And how, so how many... How many gallons, or how do we go in pints? Or how many? How, how much do we do we brew? Ooh, and do you have a massive keg so at home? Much. <laughs> Just like in your fridge, <laughs> we get a free beer box every month for staff, so that's nice. Yeah, that's um, cool. But I've forgotten the numbers. But the if you go in, we've basically got two massive outside tanks outside the brewery now because they're so big they don't fit in it. Right, um, and they're like, just full of lager. I and mean, we sell it. That's, that's all you need to know. That's, that's <laughs> our producers. That's that's like the idea of our producers' heaven, just being sat outside with a massive with a cup. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, just lager. Lovely. And I think um, you know you're talking about this this kind of shift towards local and artisan projects. Yeah. Nothing. Nothing sums that up better than a tap room, does it? When no, you literally exactly. go in and you look over there and it's it's brewed. Yeah. So I can understand the appeal of the brewery. Yeah. So what about the actual um the actual bars you've got? Again, bars, hospitality, under enormous pressure, less money to go around. Mm, what, yeah. what are you doing to drive footfall there? 
Well, I mean, we've got a lovely community around our space in um, Pocklington. Um, it, it's it's a very uh, different. All of our venues are so different. They appeal in a different way, and they're in different spaces. Like from the city centre one, as I've already mentioned, it's huge on um, with tourism. You know, it's massive because we get a lot of visitors to York. So that's a really easy one for us in many ways. Um, the one in Pocklington, it's a little village. We have regulars that come in nearly every day because they just love it and they talk to each other and it's very much about social interaction. And that's that feels like a really light touch effort, really, in terms of kind of driving that footfall. Um, but obviously we have to maintain standards and make sure those people feel welcome and part of the community there. Um, our bar in Leeds, obviously Leeds has an amazing beer scene and we're mm. just trying to kind of establish ourselves in that really. We want to be part of it because Leeds is ace and with North Bar and North Brewing and um, Northern Monk in that space, we our bar's nestled kind of within that. Um, so we're hoping to sort of be part of that really when people are visiting Leeds for the it's beer scene. It's like a scene. nice Yorkshire beer community really yeah i think so and that's the great thing about beer is that you know as much as it is like massively competitive everyone's also friends really mm. and no one wants to see anyone fail so it's quite a nice space to be in at the same time you, you mentioned brand because mm. I, I listen to a lot of marketing sort of more brandy advertising type podcasts and they talk about the fact that brand, the brand advertising and things like that and and not what they were 20 years ago you know like you might remember the classic ads and um, I'm, I'm going to age myself on this podcast <laughs> but like you know the Levi ads right from the uh, the very first one right through to Flat Eric which probably no one remembers either my point is that they, that like you had like Frosties they were great you had like amazing iconic um, you know, snap, crackle and pop type TV um, advertising. I'm not saying that you guys would be doing TV. Yeah. But brand advertising is something that's lost at the moment. It's mm. like in the last 20 years, we've gone to performance marketing. Yeah. And we've moved to like um, much more put money there. What happens? What's the result? Whereas brand is very, very different. What do you guys do in terms of advertising for the brand? Obviously, your, your, your venues are, are very much immersive in the brand. But yeah. what about advertising wise? What do you do in that space? So at the moment, we're doing quite a few collaborations. We're working with other big brands on, um, we call them like our white label projects. So we've recently done a, a project with Moxie Hotels. Um, and what we've basically done is we've designed a label with their brand on it and our logo on it. Um, and they're actually selling that beer now in Cannes through their venues across the UK. Um, we've done another one, which is really interesting with the Sherlock's band. I don't know if you know of the Sherlock's. They've just released a new album. We've, uh, they're from Sheffield. We've labelled, yeah, I think so. Yeah, they're a really cool bunch of guys. What a cool name for a band, the Sherlock's. The Sherlock's. It's amazing. And they've got this like real sort of yellow and black kind of, you know, simple um, logo and, and kind of branding on their album. We've just put it on a beer label. And it's a white label of a beer we already made, but it's just a great way of kind mm. of expanding that brand and sort of reaching new people with that, really. So we're doing more of that going forward. Didn't um, Mikella do some weird... Was it Chris... They did a partnership. Was it with Chris de Burr? Oh, that sounds about right. No, Rick Astley, wasn't it? That's <laughs> yeah. it. That, yeah, they yeah. did this weird... And yeah. it just made no sense, but it's... I mean, that's Mikella all over there, isn't it? And, but that's the disruption element as yeah. well. Sometimes it's yeah. great to go, well, no, it makes no sense, but everyone's talking about it. Who, yeah. who are the other disruptors then? I mean, you know, beyond the UK. I mean, I, I would say Mikella, one of those... Dis I mean, they do a similar thing to you. They have new releases every single week, don't they? A range of about 100 core beers or something. Who else yeah. kind of has caught your attention? Um, who else is doing disruptor stuff? 
I feel like the beer industry just generally, every so often you just see something and go, oh, that's clever, you know. Um, I don't know if you saw the vocation. Um, it was the celebration suites recently. They did a beer that was like the bounty and the, they basically took off the, oh, nice. the celebration. I, I did they remove the bounty? Like every, oh, well, like maybe. Uh, maybe they've just got like a warehouse Mars. full of bounty beers yeah. somewhere in the corner. But I'm sure Mars did that as a stunt because they got rid of the bounty and then everyone bring back bounty, just like when Whisper did that campaign. Yeah, um, salad yeah. cream. Do you remember when them Hines said they're cancelling yeah. salad cream? Yeah. There's a huge outcry. Oh, yeah. okay, we'll bring it back. Yeah. Great stunt. Uh, yeah. Um, so I was listening to another podcast that you've done, and there's a really good quote, which I'm probably going to get wrong. But oh, I heard, yeah. Um, Henry Ford said, stopping marketing to save money is like stopping your watch to save time. Yeah. And I thought that's brilliant. So I presume your, um, you know, your management team see the value in marketing. Um, how, do you, you know, how do you demonstrate that value? I mean, obviously, you need believers in the first place, don't you? Yeah, I think marketing's... I was talking to someone yesterday about this. It's so tough. It's it's almost like the unseen, isn't it, in business, but it's so important. I feel like I part of my career is, you know, my job is to do the marketing, but also it's to convince people that marketing is needed all the time. Like Creativity. it never stops. Creativity. Yeah. Yeah. I just think I just think, you know, I was reading a lot prepping for the podcast you were referring to and you know, there's a lot of um, talk about, you know, surely for business, all you need is like a product or a service and a sale. And people kind of go, well, yeah, that's a, that's, you've got a business with that. Right. And you go, yeah, but what if no one knows about it or you or what you do or, you know, what, what's your argument for being better than the the next person that's doing exactly the same thing, you know, and that's where marketing comes in and, you know, marketing brings that kind of like loyalty and that engagement that means that you retain those customers, get those repeat purchases and all of that. Like without marketing, you get none of that. And it's just a one time quick fix rather than a business that's got, you know, a future of success. I think the beer industry, but above all, though, as well, would rely on the disruptive things good for like in terms of the space that we come from, PR stunts, yeah. things like that, that yeah. get people talking social media. Um, but it's all that flavour to me. Like if the beers are made incredible, yeah. like you can have one beer, like said brand that we were talking about earlier that we shall not mention, had one beer that just has just flown and sold in- incredibly. What's your sort of, um, what's your mothership beer then? What's the one that, that everybody talks about? Juice Forsyth. We had a conversation <laughs> about that in the office actually, just before you came in. There's nice no to see question. you. To see you. No question. Juice Forsyth. It is our signature signature. Um, everyone loves it. Um, it's one of those that we brewed as a bit of a new release and it's just taken its own life form, you know. It's kind of just gone off and, and it's it's exploded really. So it's in a lot of supermarkets now. Um, it's gone off to export. So it's, it's, it's a global beer brewed in York, which is always nice to say. Um, the name helps, I guess. But we were talking the other day about how the reference is probably going to die out as the... <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah, it's quite, a, quite an old reference now, <laughs> yeah. isn't it? I was going to say. Ha, ha, well, it can't have been out before, to, I don't know when Bruce passed away. I, I don't know when that You've was. got to be careful who you choose these days, haven't you? Yes. When you, when you uh, select an old school Oh, yes, we've had that conversation a few times as well. So how do you, how do you land on one of these beers? I mean, is it, um, you know, yeah. presumably everybody wants these kind of, I mean, we'd call them a talk trigger, wouldn't we? One of these beers that's got a great name, a great brand, it tastes amazing, everyone talks about it. 
you must be trying to find another one of those every day. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, you never quite know. Sometimes I think you bring a beer out and go, this is great, and then it just doesn't land for whatever reason. Really? And it can just depend on so many factors, like, you know, just, I guess, where it, it ends up going in terms of channels. And um, sometimes the stuff that we like in the brewery team and in the in the brewery, the public aren't as bothered about, you know, and it's really interesting. So you've got to obviously really watch your audience and listen to what they're saying. So we do look at Untapped quite a lot. I don't know if you use or have used Untapped in the past. Um, untapped. No, untapped. Go, go, go. So it's an Bill's app. Bill's nodding, but I'm going to go with you because he's more into craft beer than me. So I like craft beer, but yeah, is it is it for is it for your craft geek? Yeah, and I I have to be honest and say I've never really used it very much, but okay. I'm, I've been aware of it for many many years. But a lot of people are quite. Um, obsessed yeah. about it. And I think it's just about showing your beer prowess a yeah, lot you're, of the time. You're like a black belt if you you've get got badges untapped. and stuff, you know, which, right. you know, arguably isn't entirely ethical in terms of encouraging people to drink a lot. Mm. But, um, yeah, so we do watch it. We're very interested in what people are saying, but we're also mindful that it's probably a specific type of drinker that uses untapped religiously, you mm. know. But I suppose they're the early opinion formers, aren't they? The, yeah. You know, or the early adopters, yeah. rather. It can who, be a, yeah. an indicator, yeah, at least. Absolutely. Yeah, It's definitely worth keeping an eye on. How do you tread this relatively fine line with one eye on the Portman Code? Um, you know, clearly people occasionally drink beer to get intoxicated, but obviously you need mm. to talk about flavour and so on. Do you ever find that a challenge? We have come, I think because our branding's like really playful and we get a bit silly, we've we've come a cropper before and had a few warnings and things over that. Um, I feel like we're maturing as a business now and understanding that it's not always a good move to just kind of take that risk. Um, so yeah, we've we've had a few a few incidences and I think in terms of alcohol, you've just got to be yeah, you've just got to make sure you're ticking all the responsibility boxes and not kind of saying drink loads of this 12% stout on your own and have a nice time kind of thing because, you know, we don't want anybody really doing that. No. And so before the before working in the beer industry, so you oh, and actually, well, let's wind it back because you, you're also I, on your when I was when we looked at your notes, you're also the founder of Women on Tap. Yeah. And you're still doing that, right? So yeah. how, explain to the listeners what, what that's all about. So Women on Tap happened way before I worked for Brew York. Um, it was it came from my love of beer and my um, acknowledgement, I guess, that, you know, not as many women were involved in the beer industry. Not as many women were seen in bars, perhaps. Uh, and it was at the time when craft beer was sort of really just taking off as well. So it was something that I feel like craft beers kind of helped women get more into beer and interested in beer and the industry in general. But I just thought I want to start a thing where we really celebrate women in the beer industry and spotlight women in beer and, you know, say hurrah to women that enjoy drinking beer because there's a bit of a history in the beer industry of, you know, beers for men. It's been marketed to men for a very long time. There's been lots of incidences of like sexism that have been now called out, but People got away with it for very, very many years. Um, things like names on pump clips and graphics on pump clips. And it's starting to get better. But obviously the hangover, if you'll excuse the uh, <laughs> the phrase, yeah. um, is that it's taking some time to kind of really um, 
shift the industry again and make sure that everyone does feel welcome in you know what you'd call like your old men's pubs kind of thing your traditional mm. pubs that's why craft beer is great because it's, it brings that sort of more modern fresh tap room sort of feel to it there are spaces that you know more people feel welcome there um so it's, it's all good but women on tap is all about celebrating women working in the beer industry and enjoying drinking beer and we do um serious stuff like we have panel discussions with people that perhaps have not had great experiences because we have to talk about these things so that we can tackle them um but also we have a great time so we have an annual festival that's um mainly we get incredible women that work in the beer industry to come and host events do talks uh, and just really celebrate their kind of expertise really so so you're in a senior position you know you're in a very senior position now in the brewing industry so yeah. what what kind of advice or observations have you got for other women that also want to follow suit and you know and and get to a senior position in and it's not just brewing is it you know there's lots of sectors construction for example traditionally yeah. male dominated i'm sure there's a lot of listeners in perhaps male dominated sectors yeah. so you know what advice would you give them just to put you on the spot. It's really <laughs> tough is the main thing I will say. I've actually just started um, a women in beer mentorship program. It's a pilot program um, and I'm one of the mentors on it. Um, and that's basically all about working with women who are perhaps at a lower level in their career, but in the beer industry and need a bit of support because it's tough. It is really tough, especially with craft beer. These are fast growing, still generally quite small businesses there are a lot of male founders in mm. that industry and it is hard because they don't have because they're fast growing they don't have like standard kind of corporate processes frameworks and structures in place they might most of them don't have like hr people they just don't so it's really really tough and i just say to women that it is possible there are women out there that are now like mds of great breweries there are women that are being promoted within brewing and you can see that they're going to be on leadership teams in the next few years i think it'll change beer for the better the more women kind of rise to these senior ranks in the brewing industry. But they are, there are women out there doing great things already. And I would just say, look to them and, you know, they, they're inspiring. Um, it is possible. Just keep chipping away and don't let, don't let anybody knock you back. I just wanted to ask about the, the craft beer boom. Did it tie in exactly with the gin boom? Were they, were they, did they co coexist at the same time or were they slightly different times? That's what I'm, I'm interested to know. It feels like it was a very similar time, but it feels like the craft boom was faster, mm. almost. Like some of the reports I've seen on the craft beer industry and um, appealing to women actually refers to gin as a case study because gin has kind of come through this evolution of, you know, it crosses generations, it crosses kind of gender boundaries, and, you know, it's become a much more inclusive drink that a lot of people will happily get on board with. You know, it's this beautiful crafted mm. thing that you can go into a great bar and order and it's expensive you know botanicals yeah, i remember yeah. um, gin used to used to get gin in that very small um glass in a pub with a single ice tree didn't you yeah, ice yeah. Cube, yeah. that was you? it they yeah. only had two tonics schweppes now there's about 47 exactly yeah, now it's um 12 pounds a, a double yeah with the uh, juniper berries and it's it that and, aspirational yeah. thing that you know the gin industry's just completely evolved but i suppose i mean it's it's almost a tale of two drinks Gin, the gin boom started and suddenly it was all right for men to be drinking great yeah. glasses yeah. of gin. But the great thing about the craft beer boom is it's absolutely, um, you know, it's brought 
craft beer to women yeah. and, and the stigma has seems to have gone now yeah you know women can walk into a bar they can um order one of 20 different craft beers 20 years ago they might have been judged by some of the old school locals for doing that and that's yeah. it's crazy it's a better it's a better place we're in today oh think. definitely definitely i mean it's about choice isn't it but there's a report that um happened in 2018 asking women why they didn't drink beer and a lot of people were saying that it's just the you know the fact that it's in pints it's brown it bloats you up it's the taste of nothing you know and actually craft beer has kind of tackled that and the big thing i'm always saying to people is doesn't just come in pints like yeah. you can have it in all different measures um Get a third and try it, you know. You don't have to do that. You can go to a restaurant and order a nice craft beer and have it with your food now. It isn't just about that brown liquid in pints that, you know, you've got to kind of have six or seven of to prove yourself. Mm, mm. Yeah, um, that's another thing, isn't it? Um, the number of bars now selling um, schooners rather than yeah, pints, yeah, yeah. which actually sometimes is an excuse to charge the same amount What's for a, a pint. What's a third? Yeah. I've never had a third. You've is never it? had a third? Well, I don't the, think so. Do you know when... when I it, just drink it all as quick as possible. When Sorry. it comes to the it's, strong impy stouts we were talking about earlier, yeah. a third is perfect. Now, yeah. what's a third chord? Is it... Cause I, I, a third. It's I just a third. Because um, <laughs> in, in Australia, they have... Let me remember this. They have um, schooners, midis, schmiddies... Uh. And sh- what's the hell is a schmidt? Yeah, yeah, that just it's, sounds it's new- silly, doesn't it? I know. And again, that was just a cynical attempt to <laughs> two, two schmiddies of uh... charge more for more for the same amount, yeah. more, or more for less, rather. It gets confusing when you go to the bar and you start ordering. Can I have two two thirds of? And you go two two thirds? No, two two thirds. So yeah, schooner's a great word. As long as the person behind the bar is not doing mathematician, I've got to figure it out. Okay, so this this podcast is all about mistakes, mishaps, and marketing fuck ups that we've made. Mm. What would any any spring to mind that that have happened to you over the? Because obviously you work in beer now, but you worked in the theatre industry before that, mm. and working in marketing for. I, I read you when I read you um, LinkedIn. I know we met several years ago, but it says twenty four years in marketing, which is it just goes for so fast, doesn't it? Yeah. So there must have been a few mistakes over the way. Do you know what I was trying to think of this? And I, as much as I, I feel like. It's one of those things where I don't want to go, oh, no, I've never made a mistake. But at the same time, I feel like the reality is I make mistakes all the time. Mm. Like still now, like I've looked after print, um, really important pieces of print in the theatre. When I worked at the theatre, sort of ran the the marketing team at the theatre. We were responsible for the big guide that's got, you know, the full season of shows in Mm. and just like completely missing dates out, you know, and people ringing up going, it looks great, but when is it? And you're like, oh God, that's like the one key piece of information that you actually need in there. Um, But yeah, I think... I, nothing massive, but lots of lots of very small things over the years. And yeah. I think that it's really important to kind of say to people that work in, in marketing, like, like we're still just human and we all make mistakes. Yeah. And, you know, sometimes I feel like people are really quick to jump on marketing yeah. when you do something wrong or there's a typo in a social media post yeah. or, yeah. you know, you've got a little bit of the wrong facts in, but it, it's cruel. And, yeah. you know, everyone does it in every line of work. So yeah, leave the marketers alone. And I suppose, I mean... There's a quote for a T-shirt. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Leave us alone. Yeah, the, and the point is, the more mistakes you make, it shows that you're pushing yourself, doesn't it? And, yeah. And I, you're not taking any risks unless you're not making mistakes. I suppose you have marketing mistakes with beers, though. You launch, Like you said, some don't land, so they, you, yeah. you think that just the position is just not right. It goes out and it doesn't work. Yeah, have you ever launched a beer that you've, you guys internally have been convinced by and it's just... Gone. Landed <laughs> like a... 
Press the tumbleweed button. Yeah. I haven't got it ready, have we? Probably quite a lot. I mean, it's more... So f- for our birthday party this year, we decided we were going to brew a series of beers. We did collaborations with like international breweries. Right. Really exciting proposition. Um, we kind of, you know, we got Lervig, we got Hidden Springs from America, we got... Um, God, who else did we get? Anyway, it was it was a, a set of six incredible international breweries. And we were like, let's do a collab, you know, six beers, collab with each. Um, and we were, we thought we were being, I mean, it was a bit genius, you know. We tied into the Eurovision because we were like, what's going on at the time we're going to be releasing these? Um, Eurovision, brilliant. It's in the UK. This is fantastic. So we made these beers um, and we called them Collabavision. Okay. And it was, you know, a lot of genius in there. Um, <laughs> too much, it's too much genius. I feel like we got a lot more excited internally than perhaps the public did. Yeah. Like there was a, I mean, obviously we wanted to get people talking about it, but the beers themselves were like really quite um, adventurous flavours, like stuff a little bit, like there was one that was a bit, a bit more sensible. It was like a stout with cherry and that was fine, but there were some that were a little bit crazy. And I feel like there was just too much going on in that series. So I feel like the the concept was great on its own and the beers were really interesting on their own. But together, I feel like some things just got a bit, a bit lost. noisy. Yeah, a bit noisy. Mm. A bit too noisy. Too, it's like we tried too hard. We too tried many to messages. Be a bit too clever. There's yeah. Too many messages is a, is a big thing. They say try yeah. and keep it simple, don't they? Because yeah. otherwise people just... You lose it. Yeah. And we've, we've all done that, haven't we? You know, when you come up with an amazing campaign, you're yeah. high-fiving in the office. Yeah, yeah. You launch it and it's met with indifference. Yeah. <laughs> and then like three people go, oh, wow, these are cool. So something worth talking about, just to put you on the spot here, I'm, I'm fascinated to get your take on this, Madri. So arguably <laughs> the most successful uh, lager launch in the last three, four years, mm. tapping into that kind of Mediterranean beer market Turns out it's actually brewed in Tadcaster and not Madrid, which yeah. I find hilarious. Brilliant. But everybody still drinks it. Great branding on the bottle. It's got the guy drinking like a like a bottle of Moretti, hasn't it? Um, you know, lovely branding. What, what's your take on that then? You know, why has that absolutely flown? It's, it's now everywhere, isn't hang, it? Hang on a minute. Stop the podcast. Stop the podcast. <laughs> Madri from Madrid is is brewed in Pad, Tad, yeah. Tadcaster. Yeah, they, they... In Yorkshire. They, they bought a Madrid brewery, <laughs> used them as consultants... And then brew it at the Molson Coors Brewery in Tadcaster. Sounds better than Tadri, though, doesn't it? <laughs> that's true. That's true. Yeah, Tadri. <laughs> this is why. This is why Andy's paid the bid. Yeah, that's why he's got a bucks. massive microphone for today, so he can input that. So it's just. So just to be clear, there wasn't a Madri Madrid beer before that. I totally bought into that. No, it's a purely engineered Mediterranean brand. Brand just yeah. made up and then yeah. brewed from Tadcaster. So what's your view on that? Essentially, it's complete. Um, Smoke of, and um, mirrors. Yeah, complete smoke and mirrors. Um, but people people swallow it. I think there's a literally. lot of that. Not not. I'm not talking just about the beer industry. I'm talking Smooth. about in the world. Like, you know, I think people need to ask more questions about things. But, you know, there's also an argument to say people don't care always. You know, you might go, oh, did you know it's brooding Tadcaster? And they'd be like, I uh, don't care. I just like it. I think with something like that, it's about selling the lifestyle. And I think mm. the lager market is really interesting. It's almost like a separate kind of bubble it, itself. Um, we've just rebranded our kind of signature lagers at the moment. And we've got like a light lager and then a pilsner. Um, that's sort of our two. We we always vowed when we started, I believe, before my time, well, we'll never brew a lager. That's not what we're about. But you just have to. Because it's a huge market. Mm. And I guess with the Madri stuff, they've just tapped into that and kind of selling the lifestyle. 
And on that then, so what's, is that your take on the kind of the Mediterranean um, lager sector? Because again, that's the fastest growing lager sector, isn't it? You've got, um, well, you've got Peroni, um, San Moretti, Miguel. San Miguel. Yeah. Um, is, is that all about kind of lifestyle, people remembering their Spanish holidays? I think so, yeah. It's, it is selling that kind of like aspirational holiday kind of mood, isn't it? Cerveza. It works really well. That's why well. you get Madri on holiday as well, abroad. You don't. Imported from Tadcaster, yeah. apparently. Because uh, what they've done great with Madri is you go to a Spanish restaurant. Sorry that I've been completely bamboozled by this. but <laughs> This is, a, this is an exclusive for yeah, Chris this on is, the this podcast. Is, you've, you've blown me away. Because I've been to Spanish eating restaurants, like tapas restaurants, and they're selling Madri. Because obviously it's a Spanish beer, but it's just not. I've been li- I feel like I've been lied to. We're, all, we're As a PR person, we're all about honesty and transparency. And but if we're honest... It's bullshit, is yeah. what it is. Well, it is bullshit. But if we're honest, human behaviour is so basic. And even though we're on the inside, I can still find myself being seduced by the Mediterranean dream every time oh, I drink Tadcaster. a pint of Moretti. <laughs> and that's, isn't that what brand's all about? Yeah. Like At the end of the day, it's selling a lifestyle. Yeah. It's not selling a truth. You don't so, uh, care about Sell the, the sizzle, not the sausage. <laughs> That's what you do, isn't it? Yeah. So any plans to launch a Mediterranean lager, <laughs> an exclusive? Not for at the, the moment. Listeners? But, do you know, um, interestingly, I know, do you know Fierce Brewery up in Edinburgh, up in Scotland? They've just had, they've done a big campaign this summer called the Summer of Cerveza. And they've they've actually got a, one of their beers is, you know, that's their big focus. And it is interesting that kind of craft beer is now moving more into that sort of mm. market as mm. well. So um, for any... Anyone listening in in the drinks industry, which I hope they will be, um, what what are the big kind of trends beyond craft that you're seeing? Then so we've already talked about kind of Mediterranean lager, mm. low ABV beer, presumably. Mm. What about alcohol free as yeah. well? Have you got an alcohol free one coming out? Or yes, not? we have. Thank you very much for asking. Um, yeah, it, that's going to be huge. Basically, I think it's a massive, massive uptick now in terms of um, people are looking not necessarily to go alcohol free, but they're looking to moderate and they want choices on the bar to be able to do that. So I think we're going to see more and more um, low and no alcohol beers on draft soon. I know Lucky Saint have been doing a big marketing push and getting their beer actually on the bar because there's a big difference isn't there between going into a pub with a group of mates and ordering from draft than there is asking what's in the bottom of the fridge that's you know for the designated driver or whatever it's not we're not in that climate anymore people want to be able to go out midweek Sunday whatever and just say well actually I'm, I'm up for going out and spending some pounds in the local tap room or pub and seeing my mates but I don't really want to drink today so they want a good quality, yeah. craft, alcohol free beer. And yeah. I think that's going to become really competitive. And is that being driven by Gen Z or is that a wild assumption that Gen Z aren't in any when in fact um let's uh, talk to our Gen Z producers that <laughs> are you uh, are you a fan of um low A B V beer? Um, I mean yes and no. Because I'm currently in a position that when I go out, I tend to go out with my friends with the sort of idea of it being a big night. That's yeah. currently where I'm at because my hangovers are minimal. So I plan on making the most of that while but, I still but can. Do you ever do you ever slip in a, a pint of alcohol-free? Or do you see your friends doing that? See, I... What, what's the one that caught my eye recently? The, um, the Peroni one. Oh, yeah. It's got the blue... The blue mm. label on it. Yeah, I, I saw the TV advert for that, and I was just thought it looked incredible. But it was just pure lifestyle that is sold, like the white linen shirts with the buttons open and the people <laughs> drinking it on the beach. I thought I probably brewed in Tadcaster, to be fair. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. And I tried one, and it, I, I loved it. It was great, but it's not my go-to. Should okay. I say? Interesting okay. insight. Yeah. There you go. 
Um, I think research is showing that the that the younger crew that are kind of coming up through the ranks now are tending to go more for um, no alcohol. So I think in terms of how we make the beer industry sustainable, we have to obviously watch that trend and tap into that trend. Um, I feel like COVID also has had a big effect on people's health choices. There's a lot of research out there now showing that people because a lot of people tended to be like drink more at home during COVID for whatever reason um, and are now a bit more mindful of these choices and are looking for more low and no alcohol um, options. Um, in terms of us as a brewery, of course, we want a piece of that market because we'd be stupid not to. So we've we've actually got a new, we've, we've, we've been selling an, an alcohol-free for a while, but we're launching a new alcohol-free, which is more like a hazy uh, Nipah-style beer, but it's, um, it's like 0.5 and it's going to be a, a really tasty option I think so. it's, it's difficult alcohol freaks I heard an interview with the founder of Lucky Saint and he said like people were going he said they knew they'd got it right on draft when people were going to the, 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 the Lucky Saints HQ is a, is a pub yes yeah. and so and the, the bar staff reported that there was a, a group of lads in and there was four of them and they'd been drinking since two o'clock or something and they were each going to the bar and they were going uh, three pints of blah 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 and a pint of Lucky Saint, please. And he said what they didn't realise is each one of them thought they were being really clever by getting themselves a pint of Lucky Saint so they could not get too drunk. Um, yeah. But every single one of them was doing it. And he said it was then that we knew that we, we've tapped into the, we've tapped into something here. Because yeah. you're right, exactly. It's, it, it's, not, it's no longer frowned upon and it, it feels a bit more accepting because he was saying that you go to the pub and you have to go, uh, you know, you're out with four or five friends and they all get a drink and then you go, oh... I'll have a Diet Coke, please. Yeah. It's not got, you know, or I'll have a, what a lemonade. That, what was that one? Um, was it Michelob Ultra or something? That was the only, there, was, there used to be one option for an alcohol-free beer. And now you go into the supermarket and there must be 10 yeah. or 15 different options. It's a whole yeah. range, yeah. yeah. And, and the taste, they taste so much better as it well. It's all about Absolutely. taste though, isn't it? Yeah. If it, it, and because people tend to think, is it, is it, is it like, is it like, you know, Diet Coke Zero? It's like beer zero? It's like, is it, is it missing something? Yeah, I think that we're only just really getting to the point now where alcohol-free beer is genuinely really good tasting. You know, I got one the other week at my local tap room. It was a bit of an experimental one and I held it up and it just, it was like hazy and it looked juicy and it just looked like the beer that I would drink normally, but it was alcohol free. And I was like, this is great that this is happening now. Mm. Interesting. So um, we've talked about a lot of issues and I think it's a big topic that we're all very interested in, which helps. Um, so back to, um, back to this idea that you're in a tough sector and you, you know, you've got limited budgets, let's be honest. What advice would you give to other marketers then or what pieces of advice would you give to other marketers who might be in completely different sectors but they've got limited budgets and it's super competitive? Hmm. Tough one. Um, Hire hire an excellent PR company. Obviously. Um, I think that um, collaboration is really key, like really looking around who you're look outside of your own industry for good collaborations as well where there might be some interesting crossovers in terms of um audience customer you know customer segments um there's huge potential for people like us in terms of collaborations we can reach entirely new chunks of audiences through doing that sort of thing um and it can be really low cost as well because if everyone's getting something from it then you know monetary wise it is low cost, but impact wise, it's high on both sides. So I think really look around for who those collaborations may be that could be useful. 
Um, we do use social media a lot, as you know, a lot of people do, and it's not always suitable depending on your industry. But for us, it's huge because it's just so accessible. Um, and we do paid ads as well as, you know, organic content on there. Um, but yeah, you've got to, again, I always say, you know, social media is not easy to make work. It's not easy to have an impact. You've got to be really smart with it because everyone's on there. And I think I saw it said in my talk recently, you know, even dogs are on social media. How can you cut through that noise unless you're really good at it? How can you compete with a cute dog? Exactly. Impossible. That's one of my biggest challenges in life. How do you Is get it? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> genuinely. <laughs> so if you know how to compete against a dog online, <laughs> write to sociallyunacceptable.co.uk. And um, just briefly talk to us about social then. So, you know, do you, what are your objectives on social? Is it about building the brand? Is it about directly selling products? It's both, really. We use it for both. Um, we, sh- we, we have a web shop, so we push our new releases, but we also, we're using TikTok more and more. People love the kind of behind-the-scenes bits of, um, you know, little snippets of can- the canning line. You know, things we take for granted, I guess, but people love it. They want to see how it all works because you never get to see that side of the brewery. And it is fascinating. You know, we've got these massive, expensive, shiny machines that do wonderful things and end up making the beer that then ends up in your hand in the supermarket. And it, they love that kind of thing. So we're doing more and more of that. I suppose that legitimizes the whole kind of um, craft, um, local artisans angle, doesn't it? It's not just a mass produced product, there's real, pe- real people in a real uh, yeah. brewery making it. Yeah. Um, interesting, really interesting. If anyone wants to get hold of you, where, where can they find you or what should they check out? Um, I'm on LinkedIn. Um, my LinkedIn profile is Marketer Rach, and which is the same on um, X now, not Twitter, <coughs> the artist formerly known as Twitter, um, and Instagram. So I'm on there and I'm more than happy to talk to anybody about anything. I'm huge about helping other marketing people um, and women working in male-dominated industries and all that kind of thing. It's it's right up my street, so do um, drop me a line if that sounds like you. As as the clock hits five o'clock and I fancy a beer, where can I go and buy? Uh, where can I go and buy a pint of a uh, Brew York beer? Um, well, depending on where you are, but go to our bar in Leeds. Um, it is Brew York New Brigger, round the corner from North Bar. Uh, yeah, we've got loads of fresh beer pouring all the time. And have you got a web shop you want to talk about? We do. It's on our website, brewyork.co.uk. Um, we put all of our new releases on there, as well as the uh, much sought after Juice Forsyth. Nice to see you. Thanks to see you very much. Thank you very much. So I can see you've opened a beer already there, Chris, and you're pretty much halfway through it. Yeah, but that's because I'm I'm fully acceptable of everything and because this podcast is called Social Unacceptable, it's fine to open a beer at 11am. This is Social Unacceptable. That is the name of the show. So to you, William, hopefully my wife's not watching this, Except mm. it's 9am, isn't it? It's not 11am. But anyway, what did you make of that podcast? Um, brilliant. Really interesting. I mean, the guys enjoyed it as well. I think everybody was engaged in the room here because um, we were talking about beer. And let's face it, we've all got a different take on what we like, what we don't like. And I think a lot of what she said was really, really interesting in terms of getting involved and how to be a disruptor in the market. Like Because the the, the, 
the budgets of the brands um, that are the big, the Heinekens, the Punk IPA, ooh, said their name, uh, and other big brands that are massive. They've got massive, massive budgets, but some of them are still disruptive. And I thought that was the interesting bit for me. What about you? Yeah, that was my takeaway. I mean, she's in a super competitive sector, brewing and um, hospitality. And really, it's about um, the three things I took away from it. Purpose, first of all, they, they're finding their purpose and they stand for something. Disruption and really doubling down on, on the brand as well. They've got a brand that people really love and really engage with. Well, I mean, just looking at the cans and for the, for all our listeners on Spotify, sorry, you'd have to go on YouTube, but the cans look amazing. Like, I mean, the, the design of everything, it's very, very crafty. Here's my glamorous assistant showing it. Uh, he won't open it, by the way, because it's too early in the day. He hates the fact that I've said that. Um, but I, th- I, th- I, think I think they've got a great brand. It looks great. And craft beer is really, it's appealing to, to a lot of people. Some people don't like craft beer, though. You're, you're a big fan, aren't you? Yeah, I mean, um, yeah, I am a big fan. Are you a big fan? Um, We've got rid of the big fan. Some people don't like it, but I think um, the, the flavor profiles now, it's really kind of opening up craft beer to a much bigger audience and, like we said in the podcast, 20 years ago, you just wouldn't get um, lots of women feeling comfortable sometimes or, or wanting to drink beer in a bar. But now that's completely changed and we've got smaller servings. We've got more interesting flavor profiles. And bars are a nicer place to be now. You know, I can't remember when the, the smoking ban happened and everybody kicked off the, the smoking. But let's be honest, the bars are more family friendly. There's not smoke in them. And the fact that that people, it should be a, an inclusive environment that people can go in and drink whatever they bloody want. Despite the fact neither of us knew what a third was. <laughs> what was the other one that you referenced? A schmiddy. A schmiddy. I think a Can schmiddy, I have a schmiddy, please? A, a, it goes, um, so a pint is a pot. Right. A schooner is two thirds. Okay. A middy is a half. And I think a schmiddy is between a schooner and a half. So it's like a third. A schmiddy. I don't know. It's just some. It's just some excuse to basically charge the same as a pint and, and give people less beer. Anyway, imagine, you don't get that in the UK. Imagine if you were in a and you're with P Diddy, and you said, "Can I have a schmiddy for P Diddy?" <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> 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 Fucking hell! Can you tell? Oh, anyway. And um, final point: It's always great to talk to marketers that are doing something beyond their actual job. And you know, Rachel's clearly kind of campaigning for female entrepreneurship. She's yeah. starting mentoring programs about people that want to enter the industry. So more power to her. I say, yeah, it's brilliant. Any, anything that encourages women to be in a senior position in, in different spaces is great. So I mean, yeah, and the the whole industry of beer is is it's in a really interesting place. I love the fact that. The UK population, as cynical as we are, sorry if you're out there and you're not cynical, but most of us are cynical, but the fact that we all now are starting to buy local, I think that's great, whether it's local butcher, baker, candlestick maker, but local brewer as well. I, buy my, my... I do buy my candles locally, actually. Do you? Where yeah, do you buy them from? Candles. Neon? Uh, my, um, my local candle maker in Weatherby. Oh, yeah. What's yeah. it called? Weatherby Candle Makers? Uh, <laughs> John Wick. <laughs> Does he kick your ass as you leave the store? Right. Anyway, let's let's wrap this up. <laughs> this is fucking brilliant. This is gold, bits. We should keep going. Chris, Chris after Chris after a half lean. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to say an inch of beer. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Well, uh, fascinating episode this week. Ra- thanks to Rachel for coming into the show. Um, just to remind everybody, if you did enjoy today's topic. Um, please remember to subscribe to us on. You can find where to subscribe on social. You can find. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Fucking hell. I've totally lost it. 
<laughs> so don't forget you can find us at sociallyunacceptable.co.uk and subscribe to us on YouTube because you can get every video straight to your inbox with a little notification um, and yeah keep fucking up and we'll see you in the next episode later bye Will cheers thank you for listening to Socially Unacceptable please remember to subscribe to the podcast and leave us a five star review don't forget to follow us on social media on Twitter and Instagram at Prohibition PR we would love to hear some of your career fuck ups so we can share them on the show for more information on the show, search Prohibition PR in your search engine and click on podcasts. Until next time, please keep pushing the boundaries and embracing the socially unacceptable. Are you feeling overwhelmed by the endless cycle of social media updates? Feeling like you're shouting into the abyss without any true engagement or impact? Imagine if your social media efforts could be streamlined, targeted and effective, where each post you make resonates with your core audience and builds your brand effortlessly. Introducing Social360, our comprehensive social media audit and strategy program designed to turn your online presence into a powerful, engaging and rewarding experience. With Social360, you'll learn how to craft impactful content, engage with your audience more authentically and see all real results in your engagement and reach. If you'd like to find out more about whether the Prohibition 360 is the right fit for your social media goals, then I invite you to use the link in the show notes to book a 30-minute strategy call with me. During that call, you and I will work on your social media strategy and objectives, and leaving it, you will have a custom recommendation for your social media strategy in 2024. So just click the link in the podcast, and I'll see you there.